Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody. I'm a Debbie Kay, and today we are out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, I'm in Dallas, of course. And my name is Teresa Kitchens, your host of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. But I've got Debbie, and she is a guru at workers' compensation insurance and really dug deep into this with her career. So today we're bringing you a little bit different always because everybody's a little bit different conversation. But Debbie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Well, I'm doing great, Teresa. Um, thank you so much for having me. So well, I am really excited. And you and I have met over LinkedIn and um, you have, of course, that workers' compensation specialty. And we've had women on here who own agencies who have different specialties, but you are in a, a really cool specialty of specifically workers' comp, not just commercial insurance or just specifically working with a certain type of client but you work in a certain type of insurance industry. So I would love to hear about your insurance journey and how you got where you are. Oh, sure. Sure. I'm happy to share that. Um, I started out in um, having restaurants. Um, we sold the restaurant and one of my friends had an agency and just said, Deb, you would be so good in this because I love people. That's yeah. that's um, the part that I always love the most. And so I um, went into that and he didn't take the time to, to train me. And so I found a mentor that I could learn from and went to commercial and personal line school and just love the commercial side of things, just the business. And I think because when we had our restaurants, I didn't really understand some of the stuff, like when they would say, how much do you do a year? You know, what's your annual revenues? And, and it was it was not really explained that, hey, there's, you know, a rate per thousand and the busier you are, the more exposure we have. And so I felt that it was really um, important to help educate people on what they were getting and why. Because Absolutely. for us, it was just like, here's the check. And I didn't really, you know, he went over things, but not in the same way. And so I felt that that was important to help educate people so they understood and put it in a way that made sense. So, so I started on that and, and got involved in hospitality, um, contractors, transportation, and uh, medical malpractice. Wow. And so through, yeah, through my career, I just had different opportunities and I've never turned them down. I've thought about them and thought, is this something I can do? I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves. And I dove in and, and, uh, did that. And same with the workers' compensation. I've always done that, that I had a PEO company contact me and they tried to recruit me. And I said, hey, I'm not interested in moving, but I'll oversee my book and yours. And so I got to dive into that and help with a lot of the risk management and claims and all that fun stuff. So. Wow. so you really kind of got into all of it, like with the risk management, the claims, you've been looking at the restaurant. Do you have a certain area of workers' compensation that you really like a certain um, industry within workers' comp? Do you really focus on contractors or do you really focus on restaurants specifically? Well, that's, that's a great question. I would say 
Uh, definitely contractors. Um, I work a lot in transportation, um, also with hospitals, doctors' offices, and restaurants still too. So, but I've trained to use all that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, and I've tried to narrow because no one can ever be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. So you may be good at some things, and but you're not going to be the best at everything. And so that's, I've learned that through the years. I've sure tried to learn everything I could, but you realize as you're in, you'll never know it all. And there's always going to be people that are better at things. And so you want to keep those resources around and pick their brains and and um, be able to gather that knowledge and share your knowledge with them as well. Absolutely. Now, I, I, from your from your intro, from your beginning, you mentioned that you joined in the insurance industry, but then you didn't have a whole lot of training. So you went out and you got it. And I think that's such a skill in and of itself. How did you decide to be able to go on out there and just grab the bull by the horns and just get the education that you needed? I mean, did, did people say, hey, here's like a onslaught of things you can do, certifications and education, or did you just kind of decide on your own on where and how to go? Or did somebody guide you in that space? Because I think sure. that, that makes people, when people start a job, especially in a new industry, they feel very lost and alone. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't step up and get themselves that education. And I, and I felt that way as well, especially because he was a friend. And then he just didn't have the time to take and didn't want to include me in on that. And so I went to the classes and found someone that was willing to train me and let me kind of be an apprentice so I could work on his stuff and ask him every question in the book. And, and when I was in commercial line school, I had a company try to recruit me and I just said, I'm new, you're new. And so you can't teach me anything. So for me to become good, I've got to be around someone that knows what they're doing. And I've got to surround myself with that knowledge and you don't have it. I don't have it. So right. that's not going to be a good mix. Um, career wise, that probably would have been better money wise, but not, I didn't get into just be okay or average. I wanted to be able to do a good job for people yeah. and you know, the, the care was already there, but You've got to do your work to to become a, a professional, and that never happens overnight. So I didn't really know what to do, but I um, met this other agent and started attending different classes and went to all the life and health classes and all the commercial carrier classes. And honestly, it was it wouldn't be something I would recommend because it was too too much too much information in too many areas. And so I've just, I've pretty much stayed in the commercial arena most of my career. So, and not that I haven't worked alongside other people, but I'm not going to be the guru that they are. There's only so many hours in a day. And, and I really like the commercial side I always have. And so, so luckily I had a good mentor to help with that. And so I got a chance to learn about contracts and different things. And one of my clients had 25 attorneys on staff. Wow. And so I got to work with them on all the contracts and that increased that, that knowledge. And so I've worked with some franchises that they send me leases and contracts. And I'm like, I'm not an attorney, but on the insurance side, there are some things that you can do to protect yourself. Um, let me work with the attorney 
to make sure that we've got you protected as much as we can. And so it's just kind of gone from there. Opportunities have presented themselves because I've been willing to do that work. So, so how do you, I think people get a lot of anxiety about approaching people though, and asking for that assistance or that help, right? I mean, I know that, that you say that you add certain opportunities that came to you, but I think also probably you let yourself be available for those opportunities. It wasn't just that these things magically fell from the sky. I mean, some things do in life, but most things you have to make yourself, um, known to people that you're willing to learn, right? Like maybe a group of attorneys, right? You want to learn about those contracts, maybe ask questions, those types of things. So many people have a hard time speaking up and asking questions. And I think sometimes women in general can also think that maybe we're being in a position or we shouldn't step up and be able to ask those questions. How did you kind of how, how did you kind of get into that pattern or that 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 feel of your career to really being able to ask for what you need so that way you got it yeah and that's a great question luckily I'm so curious and I just I want to know everything I I can know and I want to I wanted to plug into other people's brains and so I'm just very inquisitive and so I would take the classes, um, ask the teachers, talk with the underwriters and say, explain this in a way that I can explain it to clients. Because I, I get the insurance verbiage, but I want to make it where they understand what we're saying. And so luckily, I wasn't shy about asking those questions. And I think as you're in longer, you become better at, at asking what you want to know. Otherwise, you never learn. And, uh, but I was always open for people to ask me um, when I put together a transportation program, I wasn't the person that they really wanted to work with. His brother-in-law didn't like the segment and he's like, I hate this dev. And uh, he would refer him to me in other states. And, and so I started working with them and did really good, but I would pick their brain on every call. What are you doing? What's so challenging? And, and I, I uh, moving forward, I just said, hey, I really like this. I'm doing well with it. I want to put together a package. Do you want in with me? Or and he's like, nope, you go do that. But I spent years researching and calls and classes and and then um and it was for the pilot car industry, which there's no ISO class code. And so I worked with a lot of states on contract law and trying to help um make things because like the language is very um very general mm-hmm. so really just trying to help pin them down on what they meant by their verbiage because I'm like well it's open to interpretation so what is it you want and why and so um I guess due to that my friend took me all over and I got a chance to learn a lot of things and do a lot of things uh, because I was just willing to do the work nobody paid me to do this extra stuff or schooling and, and, but I was interested. And so I just kept gathering data and learning all I could. So I think that's the way we have to do it though. Right. I love, I love your term that you just, you're very curious. You're, you're a very curious person. So you asked the questions, you went the extra mile. Maybe you looked up additional continuing education opportunities, right? Maybe you said, and I love the fact that you asked 
Tell me what words the client would probably be able to, you know, how can I explain this to the client and the words in which would be maybe a little bit more um, understandable to them based on what it is that they're doing for a living. Because I do think that as insurance professionals, we have that responsibility to connect and to grow our, our, our clients in the insurance space. We're protecting their businesses. We're protecting their lives, their careers, their employees. They're, we're protecting their livelihoods, right? And I think it's our responsibility to be able to do so. Did you get any pushback from anybody about maybe the, the level of education you were trying to get or um, maybe, you know, uh, the questions that maybe oh, yeah. were, were like, <laughs> why do you ask all these questions? I mean, I would be to some degree yeah, I'm definitely. really terrified about asking a lot of questions, but at the same point, I'm, I'm a fairly inquisitive person too. So how did you, what type of response? There were, there were times that I would get pushed back or maybe they didn't want to answer and they would close off. And so I'd find another resource. So, cause I'm like, well, if you're not going to tell me, then I need to learn. And so how am I going to learn what I, what I need to? Yeah. So I would always set out with those people that I could ask them questions and that were open to um, teaching me and then always um, in my career I've been somebody that they can trust so those conversations that we have um, they're always they always stay between us unless they say hey Deb you know what you can share this or that and so I've always just kind of kept things to myself and learned what I could and so they always knew that I was coming from a place that hopefully they could trust and they were more willing to, to talk to me. And if they'd say, well, what does this person say or what happened with them? And I was like, you, you'll have to call them. That's, that's not my business. That's theirs. And, and so I think that being trustworthy also allowed people to open up and just share different stories. So, yeah. so, but luckily I, it didn't deter me to find out what I wanted to know. And when people are like, you can't do that. That's impossible. And I was like, really watch me. <laughs> don't tell that. me I can't do that. So I, and that. I, I don't know why there's times I wished I wasn't so much that way, but um, I think if it's something you're passionate about and you really feel like you can help this industry and be of service, then you go for it. Right. So, Completely. Um, so what were some things that you looked for in people that you asked questions to? So for maybe mentors or people that you were able to really bond with, maybe even go back to them on a repetitive basis about picking their brains about different things that you were curious about. What types of qualities in that person did you look for that told you that you were safe to be able to ask those questions? It was probably more of forming some sort of relationship with them that I, I wanted to know what they're about and, yep. and have them have an understanding of who I was and that I was really interested in, in learning the ins and outs of what they were doing and why and what my purpose was. And so I was just very upfront about things. I, I don't believe in kind of beating around the bush. It's like, here's what I'm looking at and and so I was just very upfront about things. So, and luckily people talked to me and maybe big trucking companies on their contracts, I would say, hey, I don't, you know, your contract is kind of crazy. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, there's no protection for the trucker in here. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about 
how to protect them. You're protecting yourself, but not them. And so I don't know, obviously I'm pretty upfront. And so I would just ask what I wanted to know. And that would start a lot of conversations that we would just discuss things because I, I come from a point of wanting to help. And it's like, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything, but you're not doing any favors to those people. They think they're protected and they're really not. So, so that, that drove me as well is to, to really just help educate and help protect people. I love it. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. So did you, did you ever have to have that conversation then with the client about the contract that maybe they weren't protected in certain ways and maybe to go back and ask for uh, different things, maybe in a contract that would be able to, to protect them? I mean, we're not lawyers. We're not those people to be able to say oh, yeah. that, um, but maybe just saying, hey, I'm not seeing that. Could you just clarify that there's, you know, that this is not there? And um you know, because I think, I think to some degree, we see enough of that, the consistency. It's not ours to, to consult on the actual contract in a in a in a complete way but just to say hey i'm not seeing coverage for this could you check make sure it's there have you been able to help your clients in that way i have and and so i would go back to like the trucking companies there and say talk to me about what exactly this covers because this is your contract and i'm just trying to help them make sure that we've got them protected so tell me what this means so i would just ask them up front and Cause I'm like, I can't tell them when it's not my contract and, but yeah, I'm, I'm blow the whistle and I'm like, Hey, this is, <laughs> I shouldn't be asking you for this. And here's why. And, it's, and I always tell, I'm not an attorney, but on the insurance verbiage, if they're committing you to something and you're signing on it, then you're not being protected. And so let's look at those contracts, let's pull them out. And so that's something that I do. Um, with the people that I work with and even other agents may call me and say, Hey, Deb, I'm working on this. And I see X, Y, and Z, is that normal? And, and I may say, you know, yes or no, but I've had, um, it seems like, every, you know, the bigger companies, they write one contract and it 
covers a lot of specialties and not just one. Mm. And so I'll say, let's clarify. This looks like this is for somebody maybe hauling gas and you're not. So let's clarify what's yeah. in the contract because why should you have to pay for coverage that doesn't apply to you? I think and that's so, so I, true. So many contracts, they're just boilerplate and they just stick them on every single situation. And it's they're they're not applicable for every single type of job. Yeah. And so I, I have clients sometimes that do get mad. Well, Dad, why do you have to always read that? And <laughs> why you gotta read the contract, Deb? <laughs> yeah, we're just we just signed it and but it's like I'm trying to help protect you and once you sign on there, you're going to have to have these coverages and you can't go back and negotiate maybe your $5 million umbrella. Maybe they'll take less. And so it's all in terms of trying to, trying to help. But, but yeah, it does get me uh, in some hot water that not everyone's always happy. And, and um, most recently I working on one and they were telling me that well, thousands of other other agents do this. And I'm like, that's great, but this coverage doesn't apply. It's not legal to do. And right. I know because I've talked to progressives, underwriter and their managers, and you know, I've made five calls in and they've assured me that this cannot be done. And so I'm like, go back to your attorneys and let them know legally this cannot be done. And so it's not protecting you guys either. And yeah. so I, I just try and open up those conversations because I want to, I want to help. I want to be transparent and, but we can only do so much. So. That's so true. So true. Sometimes people just think we're supposed to be able to just, you know, stick a policy together and, you know, with band-aids or whatever, and just make it work, you know, and we, we can't do that as professionals, you know, to be able to take care of them. We're not, you know, we're not on the prices, right? Just give me the one that's, you know, behind door number two. And as long as, you know, as long as it works, we're good. That's really not, that's not being a professional in the insurance industry. And I think a lot of people don't, especially when they're in other industries, they just don't get it. All they got to do is just make sure they get that requirement made so they can go do their job. Right. And they don't even think about it. They don't think about the dangers to them either. No, they, they don't. And so that's, and I'm sure you try and do the same as far as help educate them on um, what you bring to the table, because we spent a lot of years learning insurance and it's not, anyone can go online, but you're not going to have that same knowledge and someone to say, okay, here's, if you're looking at doing this and this, here's what I've seen happen. Here's some of the claims that come up. And so is that that risk that you're willing to take? And so you become more of an advisor and it's yeah. a, it's a close relationship for sure. So. Right. I love it. I love it. So as far as like where you've gotten some education, I know there's lots of different ways to do it. Is there a methodology or a way that you, you love uh, to be able to, I mean, I'm, I know that it's always fun to be able to go take a class, like at a specific location to be able to kind of get away from the phones ringing and things like that. But today's day and age, post COVID, um, a lot of people are doing online education. Do you, do you feel like that's as um, in depth or as, 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 um, I don't really know what I'm thinking, what I'm trying to, to get to specifically, but sometimes I wonder that virtual education, we're still just really distracted. We're on our computers. We still get the little pop-ups so the notifications rise. If I'm in a classroom, I'm, I'm totally there. Have you found that 
Um, have you done a whole lot of things in the past year or so as far as education goes that you prefer one or the other? Yeah, and I agree with you as far as taking the classes. I think if you're not there, um, you do have a lot of distractions. And so I'm, I get a lot more out of being in a class physically, even though I do listen to a lot of um, online classes and sit in when I'm really working on something, I want to sit in live and, and be able to do that, which can be challenging because, you know, for many years, um, I've been commissioned only. And so if you're not selling, you're not eating. Yeah, that's true. So you've really got to, you've really got to pick um, where you put that time and energy into. And one of my goals now is to work on my CIC and, and do some other things, but yeah, you've got a plan for all of that, unless yeah. you've got someone just writing you check. So, which I don't think happens as much anymore. So. I agree with you on that. And do you, I mean, I, I feel like maybe the fact that people, so many people have gone commission only in, in the concept of, especially once they get to a certain level in their career, they can make more money that way. They can do, do different things, maybe have a little bit more ownership over their career by being able to do that. Do you feel like people uh, still pursue the same level of education when they do that? Because that would be kind of scary because a lot of these education, especially the higher level, you take like a week off, right? And you've got to be in that class. It's not just like one or two days. Oh yeah. And I, I think that um, the people that work for companies typically in reps, those people seem to have the most education because they, they're on a salary. They're not getting paid commissions. Yeah. You can't keep disappearing and getting everything done. And so I think it makes it more challenging to to have those designations, but I think the education is important as well. And it so it's a balance. It's crucial. It's crucial. We have to focus on that education. So I know here that you have your uh, certified advisor workers compensation. You said that you want to be able to do more, but you still ask questions just to people in your lives, people that you interact with and, and other things. So I know that that still gives you a lot of that extra education, even that classrooms don't even give you. And that might even honestly be a little bit more, um, you know, moment to moment that gives you a little bit more of in like situational in the moment education too. So I think it is the combination of all of that that really makes being able to be in the insurance space so important. Well, I, I agree with you. And a lot of it is that you have to, you have to take the ownership for your yeah. own knowledge and education. Otherwise, you're never going to be as good as you could be and do the job, you know, you're able to do for others. So but I, I think a lot of that depends on your drive and how you view it. So completely some people just think, Hey, I got a license and I'm like, you know, nothing. You're just beginning. Your yeah. learning is just beginning. And so I, I think the longer you're in, the more, you know, what we don't know. And there's so much that none of us will ever know. So you yeah. want to be surrounded by um, great people you can trust that are willing to sit down and give you their time and help educate you and answer questions. And so I, I say, think that it's important to find those mentors that you can reach out to and, and can trust, of, of course, because sometimes you might reach out and they're like, oh, hey, you're working on this. Oh, maybe I'll go in and work on that. And so find the ones that you truly can trust and, and you help them with their stuff and, and 
if they let to, if they allow that and, and vice versa. So, cause I think that's the only way you learn. So. Completely, completely. And we have to take responsibility, I think for our own learning too. We have to be able to step up and say, I want to do these things. And um, have you ever found that you have needed to change your environment a little bit in order to be able to get that additional education that you were really looking for? Because I know um, maybe certain businesses or jobs might give certain allotments for being able to get different certifications or different um, education pieces. But if you changed positions to get the education to grow in that way, because I think that's really important that sometimes we also need to understand that growing means sometimes we need a little bit of a transition maybe in our personal environment. Definitely. And I, I think, you know, we all have to take responsibility for that because there have been times and though you're always being educated in what you're working in, you're working with underwriters, you're always doing research or reading and but there you may work in an organization that isn't big on education and they're like, hey, just sell, sell, don't worry what you know, just sell. But and that's great because you You've got to keep going, yeah. but you do, you still have to learn and you have to have to realize that you don't know, you know, I guess what you know and what you don't know, and you've got to take responsibility and make a plan because a lot of, a lot of organizations won't say, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this, and go to this class. That's going to be a lot of that's going to be on the agent. So. Your own, your own, you know, personal responsibility to be able to do that, and and I think that's something that we need to really encourage in not only myself and where I am in my career, but then also my team members, you know, that work with me. Is I think we get so busy in that day to day trying to pop out work and service work and and being able to do sales and do all these things that we don't take that time to be able to, to really promote our own personal growth in the insurance industry. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge for sure to, for all of us, so. Yes, yes, <laughs> and then balancing work and family and things and life and, you know, just all those other things also is a, is a totally different, different situation. So, you know, true. trying to find the right time to get them all done. Very true. So Debbie, if you could, say anything to the insurance ladies out there in the industry, what one piece of advice would you love to be able to pass along? I, I would pass along that it's a great industry, but find the right fit for you. Um, that's going to be able to offer you all the things that you're looking for in your career. Don't feel like you have to just, um, take anything that comes along go for go for what you want make your plan um, find those great mentors and, and go for it yeah don't just think you're gonna have to take whatever kind of comes along and and go that way um, make your plan and um, for a year for five years and and your goals and go for them even if people tell you hey it's probably not gonna happen if you want to make it happen, you can, but it's going to take some grit and, and maybe everyone's going to think you're nuts, but <laughs> go for, go for what you really, what's in your heart and what you feel. But I think I surround it. yourself with great people as well. So I, I totally agree and make the choices that get you where you need to go. I love it. I love it. 
Well, Debbie, if people want to reach out to you, how would you recommend that they do that? Because if they have questions for you, um, how would you like for them to reach out to you? Oh, sure. Um, they can call me on my cell phone at 801-455-1044, or they can send me an email, Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y dot K-A-L-L-I-N-I-K-O-S at gmail or sorry, USI.com. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And I'm happy to answer any questions or um share any insights. So if there's anything that's needed, maybe somebody's really struggling. Do I stay in the industry? And we we've all been there. Anyone that's been around for any amount of time, they're like, what am I doing in this crazy industry? And so Sometimes you just need somebody to bounce something off and say, maybe I'm not on the right path. Talk to me, tell me what I'm missing. And, but I'm very open and, and so would be um, happy to, to speak to anyone that needs some help or guidance. So I love it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for being a guest today on the Power of Women in Insurance podcast. We do release another episode every single Wednesday. So everybody, make sure that you check us out on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to all your favorite podcasts. And everybody, thank you so much, Debbie. You've been amazing. And uh, everybody, we'll catch you on the flip side next week. Have a great day. Can I... Can I give you a little plug for your podcast is I want to encourage everybody to go through and listen to past podcasts like I did. There's phenomenal women on there. In fact, I'm reaching out as well because we've got to, we've got to be connected to each other. So I'm going to encourage you guys to follow Teresa, listen to all of her podcasts as I have and, and um, reach out to those people that you're listening to that you feel drawn to. So thank you for all that you're doing as well, Teresa. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I agree. Let's create a community, right? Of women who support women across the country. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, everybody, Debbie's awesome. If you do have any questions, reach on out and uh, we will definitely have her on again and talk a little bit more about insurance. All right, everybody have a wonderful week. Thank you. 